Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, what's up, Celebration? I hope you're having a great day. Hey, today I'm actually speaking at Celebration Orlando. Man, Celebration Orlando is just going fantastic. It is growing so fast. And this weekend I'm down there with Pastor Josh Turner, and I'm speaking to our church in Orlando And you guys are in for a real treat because you are going to hear from the pastor of Hillsong London, Pastor Gary Clark. Gary was with us all week at our staff retreat and did just an amazing job with our staff. He pastors Hillsong in London and uh, really in the greater London area. They have several churches now and just doing an amazing job at really building a prevailing church in that key influential city of London. Gary is a great leader. He's been here before. You guys know him. You guys love him. So come on, I want you to stand to your feet right now and give Pastor Gary Clark a great welcome. Good morning. Fantastic. Hey, you can, uh, you can take a seat. You can take a seat. I know some people down the back have already done that. But... Uh, Hey, church is church, but uh, good to be here, and uh, it's, uh, it's good. Everyone happy? Today is uh, one of those days in church, I realize that the, the, the golf is on, which means everybody that is here right now is either, you're one of two groups of people. One is you couldn't care less about the golf, or two is you're hoping I hurry up and get, over, get on with this so you can go to the golf. So uh, whichever way we fit, um, we're, we're here in church. It's, it's great to be here. And um, uh, Pastor Stovall and Kerry, um, I call them Stovall and Kerry. Um, they, we've been friends for, for some time now. And, um, you know, I, I don't know why I do these things, but sometimes I, I just do this little exercise. I ask myself if, if I couldn't go to the church I go to, if I couldn't be a part of Hillsong Church anymore, and I was allowed to go anywhere in the world, where would I go to church? And I decided I'd go to Stovall's. So, um, so anyway, you get my, my vote of approval, and um, it's, it's a, been, a, been an awesome privilege just this week um, to be with the staff. I, I consider that a privilege to talk to any church leadership team or, or staff and then uh, get to be, be, here, to, be here today. Um, so here we go. Ready? Come on, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for, just thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you did and who you are in Jesus and what that makes available to us. And as we come around your word, which reveals to us who you are, what you did, and the impact on our lives, we commit this time to you. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to uh, help weave your word into the context of our personal lives today. We know you can do it. We ask you to do it. We let you do it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, um, as I said, it's, it's great, to, great, great to be here. Let me, um, let me just start with a little bit of a disclaimer, if that's all right. Um, so I'm a, I'm a pastor now, but prior to being a pastor, I was a, um, an equestrian horse rider that become a trainer, that become a... A, uh, a, a teacher, and uh, that's dressage, equestrian horse riding, and I know, I know when it's uh, on at the Olympics, it rates just below 
synchronized swimming <laughs> in, its, um, in its popularity. However, that was, the, that, was the, uh, that was the sport I chose. That's what I did. That was my profession. I had a goal to uh, get to the Olympics. Then after getting to the Olympics, my next goal was, was to win that gold medal. Well, I achieved neither of them. However, it was still the, still the thing that I loved doing. And, um, and I just, it was just one of those things that I loved doing. And I ended up being a, a um, basically where I ended was teaching people how to train their horse for, for competition. And so um, this is one thing that I, and this is just something I learned. What, what I learned was is when people would be competing with their horse at you know, this level, and uh, I learned that um, they would come to me and uh, they would come and say, I've got a problem with my horse. I have a problem with, its, um, with what's happening in, when I'm riding it, when, I, when I'm competing. Can you, can you help me? That's, that's what I did. And so they would come and w what I would do is, I'd say to them, um, I want you just to, uh, just to ride your horse around for a couple of minutes just so that I can have a look. And um, I used to say a couple of minutes because it usually took me about three seconds, but I figured if I said something within three se seconds, they'd thought that I was, gonna, I was ripping them off because I used to charge a lot of money. And, and so I'd let them ride around and then I would, um, uh, they would come, I'd call them back in and I'd say, okay, let's, you're here to talk about this, but this is, what, um, this is where your problem is. And what I learned is, is if you just keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the problem, you'll find yourself ending up at a fundamental grassroots basic level. And what appeared here, all it was, was the fruit of or the result of neglect down here, where they've neglected the basics, neglected any fundamental, the fundamental things about training, or they've never ever done them. They've never embraced these fundamental things, and it would appear up here. And I learned that if you just kept going down and we just addressed this, that all we had to do was address this. But I learned there was two types of people. There was two types of, the one type was like, I don't wanna talk about this, I wanna talk about this. I want something deeper, but really we were going deeper, right? And we go right down to grassroots. One group of people, I'm not interested, but the person who said, okay, we will spend time on this. We could spend time on this this basic platform and never have to deal with this because this problem would just disappear. And, um, and I learned also the same thing being a pastor now for, for some time. I learned that I've gone from, gone from training horses to working with people. <laughs> Often I get asked what was easier, horses or people? The answer's simple, horses. <laughs> um, but this is what I've learned about people. We can have these problems. What we, can, we can see them as massive problems because they're affecting us personally and impacting our lives. But the reality is if you just keep digging down, you'll find that there's something at grassroots level, something fundamental that you've either departed from or never quite grasped that has affected life and it just turns up here. So now I'm saying all of that just to say when I get into this message, so you're not gonna sit there and go, gosh, I feel like I'm in kids' church today, all right? So I just wanna get into just something quite, well, I think it's quite, quite, quite simple, but um, has the potential to, to, to make a huge difference in your life. So you ready? Cool, okay, so 
Um, if you've got a Bible or you're following through or however you do, I'm still old school. I don't have overheads, don't have video presentations, um, don't have music behind me. Um, I've even got a paper Bible. That's so um, I'm just not, I'm not that guy. But anyway, um, so uh, verse 30 of John chapter 20, all right? Let me, let me read this. It says, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded into this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe, or other versions may say that you might believe. And the believing or the continue to believe is, is that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Now, the, the, the result of this believing is a, is a pretty cool thing, that believing in him, you might have power by the life of, um, of his name. Now, where, where it starts here, it just says that you might continue to believe or that you might believe. So it might be first up, we believe something and then we, we say, okay, this is what I believe and from that point, we, we live our lives out. Or it's, it's talking about that we might continue to, to believe, meaning that what we believe has gotta be a continuance in our lives. Now, this is what I've learned. If we understand about about just our belief system. But basically, if you want to really have a look at and say to yourself, what do I believe? The best way you can work out what you really believe about things is to have a look at the walk of your life. How your life is walking out, the behaviors of your life is an indication of what it is that you believe about life. And I've got a good friend, many people know, know who he is, and uh, Joseph Prince will always say this. He'll say, you say, you know, right believing produces right living. And if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in the right living thing that we miss out what produces right living. Because right living is a fruit of something. It does, right living doesn't position us into something. Right believing positions us in something that appears in our in our living. So our, our believing's an important thing and because that's what, what John just draws attention to here that we might believe. It's amazing how many in Paul's letters that he writes where he talks about the con that I want you to continue to believe. There's this continuance of, um, of, of believing which if the, if the inference is here that you might continue to believe, there's probably, there's a good chance that you can stop continuing to believe. Otherwise, there'd be no emphasis on the continue to, um, to believe, and, and which is a little bit like this, you know. So I've, I've noticed this about me. When everything's good, it's easy. Anyone else notice that? But when trouble comes, when trouble comes, what, what gets confronted? What I believe about things. When I, when I make a, when I, when I, when I fail at a personal level, how, how, how I deal with that is often linked with how, what I believe. How I allow my personal failure to impact me is often linked to my belief. The mistakes that we make, how we respond to the mistakes, what we do when we make um, mistakes will indicate often what we, what we believe. When, when, when I find myself or you, when you find yourself completely lacking something, when, you, when you've got a failure that you're, that you're facing, how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you respond to that? How do you 
do you continue? Do, or does it, does suddenly this didn't go how I thought it would go and now everything I believe is out the window? How, how do you respond um, to, to life? It's interesting, Jesus makes this statement where he goes, he says, when trouble comes your way, when, not perhaps trouble might come your way, maybe trouble's gonna come your way, uh, if you come across trouble. He says, when trouble. And so often that's the great myth of um, becoming a Christian, no more trouble. Oh, I wish. Anyone discovered that? But it's not the trouble, it's the how we handle the trouble. It's, it's how that we allow the trouble to fix us. It's how we get through the trouble on the other side of the trouble. It's what we believe in, in faith to see God do through Christ at work in our lives in those, those, those seasons. That's where, that's where the challenge is. And so John says to him, he goes, he said, um, he says, oh, that you might continue to believe. Now, what's interesting, he says, um, he says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. Now, just out of interest, you know, if you flick over the page into John chapter 21, the very last, very last um, verse in the, in the Gospel of John, it says this. It says, Jesus did many other things, and if they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Oh, that's an interesting statement. So, so, so many things that Jesus did. Now, according to one historian that I've just been reading recently, there was an estimate, he estimated that there was 600,000 books that existed in, the, in that time when this was written. Now, when, when you say books, I'm talking about, now this is a big book in comparison to what most, most of us sort of think and look at as a, as a, as a book. But what they're referring to is back then when they had books, the parchment books that they used was something like two feet tall by two feet wide and about this, this thick. 600,000 of these books would not have been enough to contain all the things that Jesus did. Now I sit there and I think, that's pretty amazing, all the things that Jesus did. But what's interesting is, is in the book of John, John only wrote down seven. So seven of, all these things Jesus did, he chose seven things to record. Now what's interesting is, this is all at the end of John, right? If you go to the start of John, and if you were to read through the first, um, maybe the first half of the first chapter, and you, you'll find that here's John at the start, he's, he's making all of these claims. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus is about. And he starts to make these, these, these statements about whom that Jesus is. And, and John starts there. Then he gets into the things that Jesus did and the, the, what we know about Jesus. We know about his death, his resurrection, and all those sorts of things on the cross. Now, one of the things I think we've got to be careful of when we read the Gospels, all right, is it's, it's, not, a, it's not like, dear diary, today I woke up and Jesus did this. This is John writing something that he's looking back saying, I found out who Jesus was, so that's where he started. Then I recorded everything that he did and said so that you might believe the who he was because if you believe the who he was, the what he did has far greater significance in your life rather than if you're not sure 
you believe the who he was. Do you get it, right? right so, he, so John is actually, he's writing it, and the whole point is that we might know who he is, that we might believe, the believing in him. What we believe has, has, a, has a huge impact on our lives. He's saying that we might, in other words, that we might entrust our spiritual well-being to Jesus, all right? Now, let me just back off a little bit, maybe, and just go, you know, how does, how does believing work, all right? Because how believing works is, a, uh, is, is, is an interesting thing. You know, um, I said to you at the start, um, I was a, a horse trainer, so I, I loved, I just loved training animals, being with animals, and um, so as a, in my 20s, my, especially my early 20s, I look back, the older I get, the crazier I were, was. Like, I was, I was a complete idiot, now that I look back, like, like a complete nutcase, but anyway. Um, so I had, I had this thing about wanting to train animals, so, so I wanted to train lions. I know, you said, me too, yep, join the club. I, I wanted to train lions, and so, um, so I had a friend who owned a lion park. I know everyone's got a friend who owns a lion park, but I did. So I had a friend who owned a lion park, and, um, and so I, I, wanted to, I wanted to play with the lions. I was fascinated how you train, train lions, and then from that, what I wanted to do is I wanted to learn how to train elephants. I know, you think, me too, but anyway. Um, and so, so I decided I was gonna join a circus. Right, now, I'm not preaching, I'm telling the absolute truth. I said I was crazy, I was, right? So I was, I was all set. I had it all ready to sign the deal. I was about to join a circus. I was gonna be the horse trainer, wanted to learn how to train lions and learn how to train elephants. Why, I have no idea, but I nearly did it. Thank God I didn't. But the, the elephants fascinated me. And um, you know, these days you don't have elephants in circuses, um, I don't think, anyway. But have you ever, if you'd ever seen an elephant in a, um, tied up outside a circus, um, you, you, see the, you see this big old elephant and he just stands here like this. Just rocking away. And if you've seen it, you'll, you'll know what I mean. And if you look at him, he's a great big elephant. And around his leg is this, just this chain. Around his leg. And this chain is connected to this stake that is, that is hammered into the ground. And I used to sit there and I look and I think, what is it about this elephant? Right? Why doesn't this elephant, this big elephant with his little chain, this little stake, just one day go, I mean, go figure, why, why, why wouldn't he? So I was talking to one elephant trainer, he said, well, he says, let me explain something to you what, what, ha what probably happened with this, this, this big elephant, is when he was a baby elephant, tiny little elephant, what he would do is, is he, would, um, he would be tied up with this great big chain would be put around his leg. This great big chain would be attached to this great big peg in the ground, and he would be tied up and he would be like, like this, just trying to, just as young, rebellious elephant, trying to get away from this stake until one day he just goes, it's not gonna work. And he'd just start doing this. But over time, what happens is, he starts to grow. And this tiny little elephant 
turns into this great big elephant, this great big chain turns into this tiny little chain, this great big stake turns into a little stake, but he stands there trapped according to his thinking about what he believes about the power of that chain, what he believes about the strength of that stake, and he'll spend his life there until the trainer comes, undoes the chain, and he'll just walk off, do his thing, chain put, trainer puts the chain around his leg, the stake back in, and he just goes back to this. See, that's how our belief system works. That's how our minds work. The good news about it is, 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 is science is now telling us that our brains have the ability to remold themselves and redevelop ourselves. In other words, we, need to, we know our brains can develop new belief patterns, new thought patterns that actually can lead us into a freedom, into a different type of thinking that turns into a different type of walking. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse one, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So our belief is a, is a, is a powerful thing. So there can be, there, there can be good and there can be bad uh, aspects to, to, the, to what we believe that can, that can hold us back. For example, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I used to, and I still do, go to India quite often. And, and going to India, one of the things I love doing is just, is just telling people about Jesus and praying for the sick. It's just, it's sort of like my, it's my keep me, keep me sane thing about being a pastor. And, um, and in my, my times going there, I've seen people who are blind see for the first time. I've seen people who are deaf hear for the first time, people who have been mute speak for the first time. I can remember, still remember vivid, vividly a young girl who was, she was deaf and she was mute and, uh, and prayed for her and I, I put a microphone in front of her mouth, in front of a crowd, whispered in her ear, Yesu Provavor, which in her language was Jesus is Lord. First words she ever heard, first words she ever spoke was Jesus is Lord. I've seen kids who, I've seen little kids, little kids whose legs just, just twisted and mangled because of polio, just straighten out, just literally straighten out but, but before my eyes. I've seen people who are, who, who are crippled and lame that couldn't walk, just stand to their feet and, and walk. I've seen people with leprosy and you pray for them with leprosy and the leprosy completely Leaves, leaves their body, and it's, it's amazing when you see it happen. And this is what I've also seen, though. I'll tell stories like that in front of what we might term as a good old Western, Western crowd of Christians, and they'll say, how come that doesn't happen here? How come that only happens in places like India? And this is my simple answer, because in India, they're not Christians. Some of you got it. You get to tell them about Jesus. They believe it, and he does it. But here what I've discovered is, is we get told all sorts of things, and we believe those sorts of things, and it cuts us off from what, what, he, what Jesus will do. I've learned this, that God doesn't back up a lie. Because if he backs up a lie, he'll prove it. he's saying that the lie is true. And so that's why he never, we're, we're good old-fashioned law has rammed down people's throats, you don't see any signs and wonders because signs and wonders follow the gospel, not the law. And I've had people come 
down the front or something and you pray for them. And they've got, you know, some people trouble with cancer or things like that and, they, and you're, you're praying and, they, and all of a sudden you see people crying and I say, why are you crying? And, um, and then they'll say, well, I've been prayed for before and somebody told me that the reason I'm not getting, getting um, healed is because I've, I've got secret sin and I don't know what it is. And I go, well, dude, if you don't know what it is, I don't think anyone does. Because that's the ridiculousness of the religion. See, nothing about God is do good to get good. Grace is all about trusting everything he did so that everything that he is could be made available to us. And his healing is who he is. He doesn't do healing, he is healing. He is a part of his... his uh, his nature, and so if we're not careful, we, you know, people go, I don't believe in miracles! See, do you wanna know why? Because what you just said. If you don't believe in them, you're not gonna see them. And if we're not careful, we can have all sorts of belief things that can actually just hold us trapped. Things we believe about God, the things that we believe, things that we believe that people have said, but. That's not even in, in his book. You with me? But then there's good, good things that can, can actually, we, we get a good strong belief system going and we can end up where, where, where belief becomes conviction that no matter what our failures are, no matter what, what our mistakes might be, no matter what lack is in our life, no matter what we're fearful of, we've got this conviction where our belief is this thing that is just completely, you, you cannot be dissuaded. And if you, you follow the journey of Peter in the Bible, for example, you know, Jesus asks Peter, who do men say I am? So Peter responds, who do you say I am? The greatest question that every single one of us needs to be able to answer in our lives is, this is who I say Jesus is. You get that one sorted out and it's amazing how everything else starts to sort itself out self out and you watch Peter's life where that, that statement, this is who I say you are and then suddenly there's a whole lot of trouble comes his way as Jesus is arrested and goes through the whole crucifixion, all of that. But Peter, as you follow through Peter's life, you come over to Acts chapter four and here's Peter standing in front of the same crowd that he was once fearful of, that's why he denied Jesus is now standing in front of that crowd as if, as if he doesn't have a care in the world. I don't care what you say, I don't care what you believe, I don't care what you're gonna do to me, I'm telling you that this man was healed because of Jesus, so suck it up. <laughs> He's got this conviction. He's just got this conviction. And when you, when you, what you believe becomes your conviction, it begins to affect the way that you live your life out, but begins to affect the freedom that you find in, in, in Christ. You know, he is good. We've just been singing a song. He is good and he does good. Psalm 119, verse 68. Do you believe God's good? Simple question. When you're in trouble though, do you believe God is good? When you fail, is God good? We've got to ask ourselves that question. What is our first response? He is good and he does good. And in fact, the in, Bible says that his goodness is the thing that leads us to repentance. Not his anger, not his meanness. His goodness leads us to repentance. Why, why would he say that? 
Because see, if we're, if we're not careful, we can go, well, well repentance. It's just re- repentance. Repentance is all about, you gotta turn from your sin. Turn or burn. And it's like, well, I've got it. You gotta turn. This is what I've discovered. You can turn from something and it might affect a few things, but it doesn't change you. It doesn't change anything. It's not what you turn from. It's what you turn to that actually makes all the difference. It's the turning to Jesus. It's the embracing everything that he is that has the effect on on our lives, not just the turning from something. And this is what I've discovered. I can't fully turn to something if I don't turn from something. But I can fully turn from something and not embrace anything. So it's my turning to that's gonna change things because if I'm not careful, just turning from can result in the religion of Christianity. Turning to something can result in the relationship of Christianity. He brings us into a relationship with him where he works in our lives that makes all the difference. It's not just a change of direction, it's a change of connection in, in, in life. And they sound like just throwaway statements, but you think about the, the depth of the reality of that truth when we start to confront a whole lot of things in life. It's like what we believe about the grace of God only matters when we need it. Because it's easy to say when I feel like everything's going great, it's all about the grace of God. When everything goes pear-shaped, do I still believe in it's the grace of God? Or do I, I feel like I, he has withdrawn his favor, he's withdrawn his blessing, so now what do I need to do to get it back? If, hey, if I, if I have can do something to get it back, it means I had to do something to get it, and if I had to do something to get it, it means it wasn't grace I got. Can you see what I'm trying to say? And if we're not careful, we can, our, our thinking can just, just wrong thinking or believing the wrong thing can, can actually, we can miss out in so much that God, God, God wants to do in our lives. Okay, so, I want to talk about seven miracles in six minutes and three seconds. Here we go. <laughs> right, so he wrote down seven things. And I said, why do you, I'm just, why would he write down just seven of all of the, all of the things? So let me quickly give them to you, give a little bit of a summary and we go from there. So, in, in John chapter two, what, John chapter two, Jesus turned water into wine. John chapter four, he heals the Roman official's son. John chapter five, he heals a paralyzed man. John chapter six, he feeds 5,000 people, or more than 5,000, with five loaves and two fish. Uh, latter part of John chapter six, he, he walks on water. John chapter nine, he heals a person who's been born blind. In John chapter 11, he raises Lazarus from the dead. Now, if you were to take all of those miracles, and for the sake of time, obviously, I'm not gonna unpack all of those, those right, right now, but, but if you were to look at what Jesus did in those, those seven miracles, and this is what he did, right? He, he, he displayed his supernatural mastery over the created world, the material world, over nature, disease, and death. He revealed his power to create, restore, make new what had been broken, lost or destroyed. His love, his compassion, his mercy were revealed in everything that he did. 
These signs were not only revealed to who he was, but also they demonstrated his power to, as I said, to heal the sick, to restore and to give life, right? And if we were to put it as simple as this, Jesus came to, to fix the problem and he did fix the problem. If you were to open, open your Bible and you go to Genesis chapter one, we get, well, this is God and this is what God did. By the time you get to Genesis chapter three, you've got, well, this is what God did, but this is the mess man made. And then as we move on from that point, we now have, we now have humanity in a mess and we have the individual, the human person in a mess. You start reading through the Bible when you get with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John into Paul's letters. What are they taking their time to show us? This is who Jesus is. He's the God that was at the beginning and he's the God that did something so he could write everything that is wrong, not just for humanity, but for every single individual human being. And that's, that's where the, and Jesus revealed the who he was and his ability to put things right in, in, these, in these miracles. You with me, right? So, okay, let's look at one miracle, the first one. So what did he do in the first miracle? He turns, he turns, water, into, um, turns water into wine. So obviously he's, he's the God in Genesis because he, he took something that was this and he turned it into that. He, 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 he exhibited the, that element of the, of the who he was. Now, if we have a look at this miracle, it's in, in, um, in John chapter two. So let me read it. It says, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Verse four, dear woman, that's not our problem. Now you know he's God because he can talk to his mother like that, right? <laughs> and he goes, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. I love the way. So typical mother, eh? She just ignored everything. <laughs> she said, you're gonna do this and this is what's gonna happen. Just do what he says. He said he wasn't gonna do anything, but she said, yes, he is. All right, so, all right. so then as you, as you read on, you, you get the sort of, um, you get the picture of what, um, what happens. He takes, takes these ceremonial jars that were full of water. He turns them into wine. Um, the response after he turns them into wine is, is, is there's a wow factor because, hey, the best wine has been kept to last. And it's sort of like this whole, um, it's like, you know, it's like, wow, you, this, is, this is a win. This is a win. And then at the last part of um, verse 11, it says this, and his disciples believed in him. So there's something about this miracle that caused them to believe in him. Now, if I, for the sake of time, the first thing we've got is, is he reveals his creative capacity, obviously. But I do think also, at the same time, there's a certain amount of his, his nature that is revealed in what he did as well. And sometimes when it comes to, to, to our lives, we, um, we forget the who he is, 
when we, we start worrying about what's going on in our lives and we get caught up in what we've done wrong and I've got to do good to get good and we just, we can, can sometimes the fundamental things that we believe, they get challenged in the challenges of life. Our challenge is, is, is to stay rock solid in the what we believe about him, the who he is, the what he did and how he works in our lives. You with me? Right? And so if you're to, you know, if you want to know how Jesus would respond to any given situation, have a look at how he responded to any given situation in the Gospels, because that, that's how he would respond. If you ask yourself, how would he treat me if I did this? Have a look at how he treated people who did things in the Gospels. That's how he would treat you. It's just, it's almost, and I know for some, for some people it's as, it's as, it's just, that's just way too simple. But, you know, I'm trying to make this as complex as possible. <laughs> but as I said, with the, the horse riding, can we just dig, you, you've got all this going on up here. Can we just dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and let's get right down to something that you have neglected or something that you failed to build into the training. Most of our problems, can we just dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and just get down to something that you've not been diligent in what you believe about God's work in your life? You get yourself sorted out in that and it's amazing how all of this just takes on a whole different dimension and a whole new perspective in life, right? So let's look at what he did in this miracle, right? So, just simplify it first. So he, he supplied the lack, he reversed the failure, he reversed the disgrace, he covered the mistake. See, culturally in that day, he, um, if you were the bridegroom or the person responsible for that wedding, you would have been disgraced for, for running out of wine. That was culturally unacceptable. So you would have lost face in society. You would have lost the favor of the people. You would have been disgraced. But if you look at the end result of it was, everybody thought the bridegroom was the man because the best wine comes out later. So instead of it being a complete disaster, somehow this guy comes out looking good. See, that's why we've got testimonies. Sometimes if we're not careful, our testimony stops after, and then I met Jesus. Because after I met Jesus, I haven't had a problem since the day I met him. What a load of rubbish. Our testimony is, hey, this is how it was going, and I met Jesus, now this is how it is, and this is what Jesus has been doing. Yep, the mess continued, but Jesus continued, and whoa, you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't know what's been going on in my life because look what Jesus has done. Oh, I was like this and then I met Jesus and it's all over. No, 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 it's not, man. It's gonna continue. But people are gonna look and go, what is it about you? Just looks like it all works. That's what our testament, yeah, but can I just unpack my life a little bit? It's just one big mess that he's continued to supply the lack in my life. 
He's continued to reverse the failures of my life. He's continued to, he's continued to reverse the disgrace that could have come. And you know what? And he's covered it all up. And you think this is what life looks like with Jesus. You get what I'm trying? All right. So now, so if you, th- I want you to think about f- for your life. Let's just personalize it now. What areas of your life, in your life now, would you go, you know what? This, this is just lacking. There's lack in my life. What, what, what mistakes, what mistakes have you made? Or what mistake are you right in the middle of? What failure have, uh, is, is, is touching your life perhaps right now? What are you fearful that if this was to be seen, if this was to be known, that favor would be withdrawn from my life? What, what's going on? Because what I like about the next bit is, is, it, is the next bit is, is, and nobody knew that this bridegroom had failed because Jesus didn't tell anybody. There was no, hey, Instagram, I'm the guy that turned up to the wedding, the dude ran out of wine, looked like a complete plonker, but I turned up, turned the water into wine, I'm the hero. <laughs> Snap up on Instagram. There's none of that. It's almost like just nothing happened. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. And I think that reveals the nature of God. His goal goal is not to expose us. That great myth that when we get to heaven, there's gonna be a dirty great screen like this that's gonna play out our lives so we can all go, oh, there's that in the Bible. They didn't even have video screens when they wrote in the Bible. So, what a load of religious garbage. I'm going to get there and go, thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. What I want to do is, um, I want to pray for, I want to pray for people. And um, maybe you're, as I said, maybe you're, maybe there's a whole lot of lack going on in your life. Maybe, maybe you're facing failure. Maybe, um, maybe there's just mistakes that you've, you, you're making even. Not just made, but making. Um, what do you need him to work and everyone else looks and goes, hey, don't know, what's going on? Everything looks so good for you. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus, that's Jesus. And what do, what do you need him? Where do you need to him? And so can we all stand to our feet? No, no wherever we are, whichever campus. And, um, and to finish, I, I just want to pray a prayer, okay? But this is what I'm going to do in a moment. And I'm going to ask everyone, if you, you just do this with me, I'm going to ask everybody to raise their hands. Now, some of you will immediately, in a moment, not, not immediate, right? And some of you go, well, I'm not a hand-lifting Christian. Well, pretend you're in a rock concert and doing this. <laughs> All right? It's amazing where we'll raise our hands and where we won't. But anyway, but... Um, and the reason I'm going to ask everyone to do it is I want, I want to create it like an atmosphere of anonymity. All right? Because sometimes it's like, say, hey, I'm going to pray for people who are, 
It can feel, feel like a complete failure. You've just made a mistake. You don't know how you're going to get out of this. You've got lack going on in all your life and you're hoping no one finds out, right? Raise your hand, right? And everyone goes, oh, look, look at her. She raised her hand. We're not going to do that, right? But if I'm talking to you, we're all going to raise a hand, but some of you are going to raise your hand and say, you're talking to me today, Gary. I want to pray for you. I want to believe that you're going to encounter this Jesus that turned this water into wine at this wedding today. Yeah? So come on, why don't we lift it all, lift our hands. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every single person that's here that needs you to step into where there's lack in their lives, where there's failure, even the fear of failure, where there's mistakes and the fear of being found out or, or all of those things that we're so scared of you, scared of people. Lord, people who need you to just remove that disgrace. People who know that today you will show them that, Lord, that, that you're not gonna remove your favour from them. They're putting their faith and their trust in everything that you did for them. Father, people who just wanna walk out of here knowing that, Lord, you've got it. And I believe today there's people here today and, and, and you're facing just, just personal challenge about circumstance, about things going on. And I believe the Lord just wants you to know that He's got it, He's got it. God wants you to know He has got this situation. It's a little bit like what He did for His mother in this wedding. I've got this, I've got this. God wants you to know He's got it and He's gonna sort it. Father, I pray for every single person that Lord, that they might just, just, just sense and they might know the awesomeness of you at work in the personal of their lives today. In Jesus' Name. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.